All right, stand to your feet. We're going to read the word together. We're going to wrap up the Death by Familiarity series. And next Sunday, do not miss next Sunday. We are, we are dedicating this building. We, um, we're going to take time to honor all those that were involved in making this happen. And, um, and we're going to thank God and we're going to dedicate this building to him. Uh, next Sunday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. So make sure you're here for that. It's going to be a great, great celebration. But today we're going to talk about growing in the unfamiliar. If familiarity can cause problems with us, we're going to learn how to grow in what's unfamiliar. So let's read Exodus starting at chapter 13. We're just going to take a snippet out of the Exodus story. Starting in chapter 13, starting verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they came at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to guide them, to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi-Hirioth between Migdal and the sea. There they, they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. God, we know it has the power to change us. We know it has the power to break things in our lives, to break addiction, to break depression, to break anxiety. We know it has the power to set us on a new trajectory. And so we pray, Lord, that it would do that today. That just your word entering into our lives today could change our destinies. We pray that our hearts would be open to it, Lord, and our minds would be ready to receive it. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. I, um, if you just started coming to church in the past maybe seven years, no longer than that, past 10 years, you wouldn't know, uh, but I led worship here for about 10 years. And uh, I played the piano and I sang And I was sort of instrumental in, in leading the church through a style change and, and, and all those things. But I learned that rhythm was really important. How many of you honestly don't have rhythm? Just raise your hand if you don't have rhythm. That's fine. That's fine. You'll amount to something one day. Um, no, 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 that's fine. It's, um, rhythm is really important. Rhythm, rhythm is in almost every aspect of our lives, and we, and we love it. Uh, what I learned as a as a worship leader, is that rhythm 
the same rhythm in, in, in a song was really important. And, and this was back before we had a thing called click track. And if any of you are musicians, you know that modern technology has given us the ability to have little things in our ears that tell us what to do next. And so uh, what will happen is all of, our, all of our band members up here, singers and musicians, have in-ear headphones, and, um, and they'll hear something in their ear going click, 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 and I think it's click, 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 talk, tick, 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 talk, something like that. So one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two. So they hear it in their ears. Back in the day, we just followed the drummer. So if the drummer decided that that part of the song needed to be a little faster, you just played a little faster. If the drummer decided that part of the song needed to be a little slower, you just played a little slower. You at the mercy of wherever the drummer led you. And, uh, and what you would find out is that the louder the song got, the faster it would get. And the softer the song got, the slower it would get. So every song would kind of have this ebb and flow to it. And, but you found out the really, really good musicians, which I was not one, could keep time. Now everybody can keep time pretty much because we have these, this assistance in our ears. And uh, we have another guy on stage that stands here typically with a microphone that's yelling at them very softly if they don't. They can hear him in their ears and he's saying, you're terrible. Get on. No, he's not saying that. Rhythm is, a, is an important part, routine. Rhythm and routine enter into our lives. We, we try to keep them the same, don't we? We very rarely like life to speed up. We very rarely like it to slow down. We like it to go at a pace. We like a routine to be the same every morning. I like my tea in the microwave for two minutes and 45 seconds. And I, when it comes out, I like to put two, maybe two and a half heaping tablespoons of sugar, raw sugar, don't judge me. That's my routine. I did it this morning. And, um, and I like uh, Irish breakfast tea. I don't like any other tea. If you like other tea, that's fine. That, that's my routine. And then I put cream in it, half and half. And so it's just, it's my routine. And I don't like it when it changes. I hate going, I, I started taking tea with me when we have to stay in a hotel because hotel tea is terrible. <laughs> I've rarely gotten tea in a restaurant that I like because they bring you sort of hot water and, um, and it's not enough to really steep the tea and you don't want to look like a snob in the restaurant and be like, oh, you don't expect me to drink this, do you? <laughs> so I, I started taking tea with me and sugar and half and half because... Some of you are like that with coffee, so don't look at me weird. Matter of fact, I've never heard a tea drinker say, uh, if I don't get my tea in the morning, it's not good. But I've heard all you coffee drinkers say that. I've heard all you coffee drinkers say, don't talk to me if I don't get a cup of coffee in the morning. I'm like, okay, I think God wants to do something in your life, but it's, he's trying to work through the coffee. You find out that there's rhythms in life, there's routines that we get into that 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 we rarely grow in the routine. You wake up the same day every morning. You, you go to work for the same amount of time every day. You, 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 uh, you, you do the same thing every... And, and we typically don't grow in a routine. We only grow when the routine is disturbed. Matter of fact, life is, is set up that way. Uh, when, when Beth and I first got married, we, 
we had a routine. We'd, we'd go to bed at a certain time, wake up at a certain time, we didn't have any kids. But then when the first child came along, it, it broke the routine. How many of you know when you have that first kid, you realize who's in charge really quick? That thing wakes up in the middle of the night and you're just like, dear God, I thought I ran this house. Obviously, I don't anymore. And so we got a rhythm with the, with the first kid. We, Madeline was about uh, two years old when our, when our second child was born. And, and then we broke the rhythm again. And, and how many of you know, for me anyway, one kid was a pretty manageable thing. I only had to watch, monitor one kid to keep them from falling off the bed, which didn't happen a lot. Again, you're judging me, and I know your kid fell off the bed at least once. I only left there for a second. Um, <laughs> so what happens is now we introduce two kids into the rhythm, and two kids was a shock to me. One kid I can handle. Two kids was a shock, like, oh, my goodness. Now it's a big deal to be at home by yourself with two kids. Now both of them could have dirty diapers at the same time. I don't know. I'm one man. I'm not Superman. So to so get into this, but what we found out was when we went to three kids, you're just like, whatever. It's just another one. Throw it in the car. doesn't even matter. <laughs> at that point in time, our four-year-old's taking care of the other two. Like, oh, this is easy. But a routine, you're, you're, I've, I've taught this before, your body is, is um, designed to keep a routine. Your body is actually designed to, to keep in a routine. It's called homeostasis. Your body routinely wants to be at 98.6 degrees. It's the way it's set up. And so if you're a little chilly in this room this morning, uh, you can thank me because I'm a little warm and I get to decide. But if you're a little chilly, you may get goosebumps. That's your body's way of trying to raise the hair on your arms to kind of create more heat. It's, it's, um, your, your blood vessels will constrict. Your blood pressure may go up a little bit. Your body is trying to keep it at 98.6. That's why when, when, when uh, an infection comes in, your, your body will raise the temperature because it's trying to, to push the infection out. And it's, it's trying to keep you at 98. It's trying to keep you right there all the time. But what I've figured out is you rarely grow right there. You rarely grow in the same routine. Because if you're in the same routine day after day after day, you rarely have to think about it, do you? If you're driving the same place to work, you rarely have to think about it. If you're, that's why you can get to work and be like, man, I don't even remember driving here. Literally, I must have slept the whole way. You, you, you wake up the same time every day, whether you set the alarm clock or not. What I found out is in the routine you rarely grow. There's no thought process that has to go into it. It's just what we do. We get the kids up every day at the same time. I go to work every day at the same time. I have my tea the same way every day at the same time. And, it, it, and life is just what it is. The thing about life, though, is God rarely wants you to stay the same person. Oh, don't you love that about it? Just when I settled in and started liking myself, Lord, you came in and tried to change everything. 
But he's on this constant pursuit to make us better, to make us the people that can accomplish his will on the earth. So he's constantly moving, constantly moving, constantly moving. So what we find out is, is that, um, is that we find out that if, that if we allow him, he's the one that, that drives the car. Um, we're in a modern age where nobody knows how to get anywhere. That's the truth, right? Because what happens is you have a phone that you place uh, on your stand, on your car, and you, you, may, you, you may not know how to get home today. But you say, you punch it in, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the same way with phone numbers. You don't remember a phone number because your phone remembers a phone number. So, so what happens is we've, been, we've gotten into the routine of following a GPS system. Following a GPS system. The only problem with the GPS system is, in my opinion, this is my opinion, take it or leave it, I don't think the GPS system gives you enough warning. Because if you're on 495 driving around the beltway and you get a two-mile warning that it's time to turn and you're going 85 miles an hour, you're judging me again, aren't you? I don't know if that's enough time to get over, but the GPS pops up, boom, you have to move. And all of a sudden, you're panic-stricken. Anybody else tried, if you're married here, anybody else tried to let your spouse be the navigator? If you want to stay married more than this week, you'll stop that right now. My wife and I rarely fight, but if I pass her the phone or she passes me the phone, it's instant. Like, you've got to tell me before we get there. I, I don't say it like that. All the time. <laughs> I'm learning to be like, honey, uh, if we want to, never mind. I'm not helping myself here. The Israelites had been in a routine. They had, been, they had lived in the same area for about 430 years. And for the past couple generations, they had been in slavery to Egypt. It was a routine that was established. They did the same thing every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Wake up, make bricks, wake up, make bricks, wake up, make bricks, wake up, be under the thumb of the Egyptian rule. And they did the same thing. The only problem is they started complaining to God about the rhythm. They started complaining to God about they weren't satisfied being under Egyptian rule. And it wasn't God's intent for them to stay under that rule. And so what happens is God has to change the rhythm in order to get them from where they are to where he wants them to be. So what happens is, many of you know, if you read the Exodus story, if you go back to Exodus 1, you read the whole thing, you realize that God raises up Moses and somewhat from obscurity and, and says, you're the man to do this. And Moses has an argument with him in front of a burning bush. And so Moses and Aaron um, go to Pharaoh and start making some demands. Hey, it's time to let the people go. God says, let the people go. And Pharaoh says, you guys must be crazy. So the first thing Moses and Aaron do is they do what God tells them to do and it doesn't end upright. You ever just really done, said, man, I'm doing what God wants me to do. It's just not turning out the way it should. Anybody ever been in that boat? Come on, it's fine to say. So Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh the first time and they say, God said, let his people go. And Moses, or Aaron, uh, Pharaoh goes, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. 
Not only are we not going to let them go, but we're going to make them make bricks with no straw now. So what had happened before is that the Egyptians were providing straw to the Israelites and they would make the bricks to build the buildings. But now Pharaoh says, because you're crazy, because you've come to me with this absurd request and you acted like your God wants you to do this, because of this, now we're going to, now we're going to, we're going to tip the tables a little bit more. We're going to make you gather your own straw and make the same amount of bricks. So what actually happened was, in God's, in God's desire to have the Israelites out of the rule of the Egyptians, Moses obeys him, goes and tells Pharaoh what he wants to happen. It turns out bad, and now the Israelites don't want Moses speaking for them anymore. They said, listen, you went before Pharaoh, and all it did was cause us trouble. Just leave us alone. Why would you do that? So now Moses has to kind of regain his reputation with the people. So now what happens is all the plagues start happening. Moses goes back and says, if you don't let him go, this is going to happen. If you don't let him go, this is going to happen. If you don't let him go, this is going to happen. And Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder and harder all the way up to the end. And many of you know the account of the Passover where the death angel comes and kills all the firstborn males. So they painted blood over the doorway and it becomes a symbol of Christ's death for our sin. And you can read the whole story in Exodus. And Pharaoh finally comes to the place where he breaks and he says, just get out of here. Just get out. This is more than we can bear. Get out. Now what you have to remember is, is that they've been slaves for a long time. So they, they're not used to leading themselves. They're not used to just going, hey, we're leaving. See you later. Because they're leaving the houses that they grew up in. They're leaving everything they know is familiar. They're leaving, they're leaving where, they, where they had their first kid. They're leaving where they had their second kid. They're leaving, they're leaving their people they know and work with. I, I, I kind of hesitate to think they hated all Egyptians. There was probably people that they knew that they didn't hate all of them. So they're leaving these relationships they had. They're leaving everything that was common to them. And they're being led by God. And the Bible tells us that he's leading them with a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty strange GPS system. It's pretty strange. The beautiful thing about it, it was actually, it was actually an indication of the very presence of God protecting them. He provided a cloud by day to cover them so that the sun didn't didn't just wear them all out and destroy them. He provided fire by night so that they could even travel by night because typically back in that day, I don't know about you, but there was no LED flashlights. And so people didn't travel at night, but God had provided this miraculous pillar of fire so that they could, they could travel at night. And so now he was leading them. But the crazy part was, it was like GPS, like, when do we move? Well, when the cloud moves, we move. Well, can I get a warning? Can I have some upfront knowledge about where we're going? Are you just going to, are you just going to move the cloud and then we have to move? Yes, I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving. And what you figure out is, is that sometimes things come into your life that, that are unfamiliar and unsure and they cause a bit of destabilization in your life and you figure out that, oh, wait a second, I'm not really driving this. God is. God's the one in control. God's the one that is, that is stirring things. God is one who's, who's, who's behind the little difficulty here so that I'll move over here. God's the one that is allowing me to, to move when he says move. 
God is the one steering the ship. Matter of fact, the Bible says, the psalmist says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. That when you pray, your, your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven, we're giving him the permission to guide us the way he wants to guide us. We're giving him permission to steer the way he wants to steer. We're saying, Lord, if the Israelites are going to cry out, Lord, deliver us, then we have to be okay with the way he delivers us. Amen? So I want you to think about what you're praying here recently. You're, you're in the routine of life. You're doing what you do, and you're doing it day after day after day. But there's that prayer that keeps going up. Lord, I need you to provide for this, or I need you to heal this, or I need you to deliver me for this, or I need you to lead me. And he says, okay, but I'm driving. And we hate that. Well, I hate that. Because I want him to do it the way I want him to do it. Amen? I, Lord... Here's the way I think you should do this. I think, I think you should just do it my way and then everything will be okay. Any control freaks in the room? We knew it. Everybody already knew it. Lord, if you just do it my way, but the Bible says that he leads them the way he leads them. There is no indication that they had ever followed a cloud for direction during the day. No indication that they ever followed a pillar of fire at night for direction. It's all brand new to them. It's all destabilizing. It's all, it's all unfamiliar. But it's the way God is choosing to lead them. I want to make this statement to you. If God is leading you in a way that you've never experienced before, it's because he wants to take you someplace that you've never experienced before. You know what's fascinating about my life? What I've realized is to get where I am today, you couldn't have done it the way I wanted to do it. You just couldn't have done it the way I wanted to do it. So you can look back on your life and you can realize that, okay, God directed my steps in a certain way and it was the way he wanted to direct them. And so I get to where I get because he was leading. Now, here's the thing. God oftentimes causes us to move when we're not ready to move. Think about it. These people never traveled at night. It wasn't even safe to travel at night. But God says, hey, listen, if I'm leading the show, you're going to move when I need you to move. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a way where it doesn't seem possible. I'm going to make a pillar of fire at night. And so when I say get up in the middle of the night and move, that's what I want you to do. Yeah, but Lord, it's a, I mean, I, I need at least seven hours sleep and coffee. But God says, no, no, no. If, if the fire moves at night, you get up and move. If the cloud moves during the day, you get up and move. And what we find is that our routine and our rhythm keeps us from moving when God wants us to move. How many of you, when you get a little destabilized, start to panic a little bit? Here, here, here's, here's the way I know. I can hear it by the prayer requests that come out. Because here's what will happen in our lives. We'll pray for a promotion, but get frustrated with the destabilization in our job that later will cause the promotion to happen. I'm going to say that again. We will pray for a promotion. Lord, I need a promotion, so, so I, can, I need you to bless me financially. I need a promotion. I need, you to, I need you to do this. And so when change starts to happen in the job, we'll complain about this change, not the opportunity for promotion. Oh, yeah, but now they want me to do this. Now they want me to do that. Now they, they've added more workload, and, and they don't appreciate me. And everything. Could we be confident that God is answering 
answering our requests by destabilizing our current circumstances. Amen? Listen, if you want to fulfill the call of God and procreate and fill the earth, then there's going to be a little destabilization happening in your house. You're going to have to put padding on everything. You're going to have to pick stuff up off the floor. You're going to have to clean the house up. You're going to have, if you bring a little one onto this planet, from, not from out of this planet, but then it's going to create a destabilization in your house that you're not used to. I was 22 years old. I was like, how hard can this be? And I thought, that's a real baby. And they gave it to us when we left the hospital. I don't think they know what they're doing. So it destabilized everything. It even destabilized the kind of car we drove. Some of you have heard this story before. We, um, we got married. We wanted to be cool, man. So we bought a 1997 Toyota, Toyota Celica limited edition candy apple red, black interior. And it was like, <laughs> like this, hand up on the top, windows down. I mean, it, was, it was awesome. A kid, could, you couldn't get a car seat in the back of that thing to save your life. How did I know a year later she'd be pregnant? I didn't know. So we buy it a year later, she's pregnant. And we go, oh, we're going to have to buy another car. So we get a brand new Volkswagen Jetta, candy apple red, sunroof, five speed. I was still like, I'm still cool. I'm married with a kid, but I'm still cool. She gets pregnant again. Haven't figured it out. We move, we move from within three years, no line. And if, and if any of you know about car buying, you know the situation we were in. Three years, we moved from a red brand new Toyota Celica limited edition to a red brand new Wolfsburg edition Jetta to a 1997 Ford Windstar van with baby blue in the bottom. God had destabilized everything in my life. I didn't even put the windows down anymore. I got the front windows tinted like 90% so my friends couldn't see me driving. Chris, did we see you in a minivan the other day? No, no, not with me. See, like God looked just like me, but not me, no. And those, those TV commercials that talk to you about that swag van, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's there's no swag about a minivan. I don't care how fancy it is. I drove one for 10 years. God delivers us up out of Egypt when we got a SUV. Put the windows back down. But it was destabilizing everything I was used to. So what happens is, the Israelites are walking out of everything they're used to and God's leading them in a way that they've never experienced before. And it's all unfamiliar. It's all unfamiliar. And so they, they have to learn how to do this. They have to learn, okay, it's a pillar, it's a cloud by day. Okay, that's the way God's going to, and it's moving, so we got to follow it. Wait, wait, the, the pillar of fire is moving at night. We have to follow it, it's, and we're not sure. But there had to be at some point in time some confidence that God is leading us and God is turning us into the people that he wants us to be. And that's where we have to be today. That If there's some destabilizing force in your life right now, 
Don't waste so much time blaming the devil for everything. Start realizing that the pillar of fire might be moving. The cloud might be moving. It might be something that God is saying, listen, for you to accomplish all that I have for you, I've got to just, I got to just destabilize. I got to make some unfamiliar things happen in your life. But the, the truth of the matter is he's for us and with us and and, and has a future for us, the Bible says. And, and he's doing everything as a loving, caring father. So what you find out is, right up front, he says, this is the way I'm going to lead you. But as soon as they leave Egypt, he says this. Well, how many of you have your GPS set on get the shortest distance? Raise your hand. Like, I, I just want to get there the shortest distance. Shortest amount of time. Come on, another show of hands. How many of you have, I want to avoid all tolls? There's a, there's a cheap, cheap skates in the room. I'll drive to New Jersey to avoid a toll. <laughs> Just saw all of you like, I will not pay. Most people have it set to the quickest, fastest route. That's the way I want my experience with God to be. I want it to be painless, quick, and fast. My prayer has consistently been uh, over the last 25 years, Lord, let me learn what I need to learn quickly. Let me be a quick student of what you're trying to teach me. I don't want to drag this thing out any longer than possible. But what I figured out was there's some things only time can teach you. So here's the thing. There's this little phrase at the beginning of, of what we read that is so important. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. That was shorter. All right, Lord, this is weird. We got a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. This is weird. We've never done this before. This is destabilizing. But we want to get to where we want to get the shortest route possible. We want to get there, man. I don't want to be led by a cloud for too long. This is kind of strange. We've never done this before, but we want to get there. But God says, I'm not going to take them the route that they anticipated because even though it's shorter, the cost could be greater. So actually, all you people that are avoiding tolls, you're more like what God wants you to be. You already know what it's like to drive out of your way to avoid something. <laughs> That's so funny. But God says, listen, I'm not going to take you down by the Philistines for this reason. If they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Now watch this. It's God's intent to change you, not leave you the same. So if it feels like you're taking the long way around, it's so he can avoid you going back to the person that you were. There should have been more amens on that. I'll have to explain it a little better. If God, if it feels like that God is leading you in the, during the day and at night all around, and it doesn't make it, why are we going the long way? It may be because God doesn't want to take the risk of you going back to the same person that you were before. He says, listen, I know. You know what the irony is? The irony is this. It says, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Well, that doesn't seem strange to you. How do people that have been enslaved for generations even know what a battle looks like? They're fooling themselves. They watched God do a miracle that they had nothing to do with. They weren't the ones that brought the death angel. They weren't the God said, if you paint the blood over the doorpost, I'll spare your house. And so he spared all of Israel. And the issue was he did the miraculous miracle that led them out of Egypt. When they got out of Egypt, they started going, look how bad we are. 
It says they walked out ready for battle. How silly does that sound? I can remember as a young pastor being, um, being a little frustrated with my advancement. The timeline of my advancement. I remember telling a guy one time, we were on vacation, went on vacation with a couple families, and I remember telling him, he said, how's it going? I said, man, I didn't think I'd be doing this at this age. I thought I'd be farther along. I just thought I'd be advanced past what I am right now. I was expressing a little frustration with him. And he said, man, you'll, you'll make it. I was like, yeah, but I want to do it sooner. Anybody have any frustration like that? Where it seemed like you were walking the long way around and it was unnecessary. Where it seemed like you were, like, why hasn't this improved yet? Why hasn't, why hasn't my relationships improved? Why hasn't, why hasn't it gotten better? Why, hasn't, why haven't I gotten to where I wanted to be by now? I, I, I th- I'm praying, I'm trusting God, and it just doesn't seem to be moving the way I want it to move. But what you'll find out is I had a mentor 15 years ago. And he used to tell me this, and I, I'll be honest with you, I hated him every time he said it. Because my perception of being ready and God's perception of being ready were always two different things. He would say, Chris, I would say, man, I just, just this is what I want to do. This is where and he would say, Chris, God uses prepared people. And I'd be like, easy, it's easy for you to say you're almost 60. Here I am, I'm, I'm 28. Like, I don't want to wait around for that preparation thing. I don't want to wait around to be a better husband. I just want, I was being, I was using that as an example. <laughs> Who wants to wait around to be a better wife? We just want a better husband. That's way better. That's, I should have said that first. Who wants to wait around for a promotion when God's making you into a better employee? Who wants to wait around? Because the idea is, is that we all think we're already ready. We all think we're farther along than we are. So what happens is we walk out of captivity and we put the battle armor on like we know what to do with it. And God says, wait, 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 wait. I need to lead you around the long way. Because if we take the shortest route, you may go back to the person you were before. You see, when he leads... He leads the way he wants to. Remember, he said, I'll wake you up in the middle of the night. I'll lead you during the day. I can do it all. I can lead you any way I want to lead you now because I've made it possible. And so when we surrender our lives to him, we say, Lord, your will on earth be done as it is in heaven. We're basically giving him the keys to the car. And he's saying, okay, if I drive, I'm going to lead you so that you turn into the people I need you to be. I'm going to lead you in a way that you're going to turn into the people that can accomplish all I have for you. So what did he do? Right out of the gate, he says, don't go the shortcut. Yeah, but wait a second. We, you're going to make us walk longer? It doesn't seem like it's beneficial. You're going to make us, you're going to make us, why would we do that? We've got all these people, all these kids, all these animals. Why would we take the long road? Because you're not ready for the shortcut. If, if you go the Philistine way, you're not ready for battle. I don't care how dressed up you are. I don't care, I don't care how, how, how excited you are about battle. You're not ready for it. And if you go that way, what's going to happen is you're going to face things that you're not ready for and you're going to go right back to what you knew before. 
So many times in our lives that happens to us. We ignore the leading of God. We say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm taking a shortcut. And when we take the shortcut, we end up in a place that we're not ready for. And we end up going back to what we knew before. Now, watch this. When you follow God, there needs to be a shift in your mentality. Most of us are going through our life trying to avoid tension. Avoid tension. That's why you really only say the truth when you're upset. You know how many married couples have sat in front of me over the years and they say, they say uh, well, the only time we talk about that is when we're angry. Because, you know, she says this and I say that and I just tell her what I think. I'm like, well, that, that's one way to do it. <laughs> Good for you. I'll say this. Have you ever brought it up when you're not upset? Well, what do I want to ruin the day for? Come on, say amen. You did it last week. You're like, I'm not going to bring that up unless I'm really upset. The issue is to have change in relationship, you need to invite the tension in. So when you're having a good morning and your tea is perfect and your coffee's perfect and you're sitting down there gazing into her eyes and you're saying, man, you're so beautiful. And then the Holy Spirit drops in, you bring it up. You don't go, are you crazy? You say, listen, I know usually when we talk about this, that it's in a heated discussion, but I think God wants us to discuss this while we're both sane, or at least one of us. (laughs) Because if you want to change, you have to invite that tension into your life. So anytime, anytime we're allowing God to steer, he's always going to bring the tension. I love it. Because what he does, he takes, his, he takes them the long way, and then he sets them up. If you read, he takes them around the long way, and he walks them around the long way and pins them in between the sea and the desert. So this is crazy to me. God, why would you, why would you walk me longer only to put, put me in a situation that seemingly is worse than fighting the Philistines? By the way, the Philistine army was no match for the Egyptian army. So you're going to walk me around the long way, and you're going to put me in a precarious position to be between the the Red Sea and the desert, and now Pharaoh's going to look up and think we're pinned. God, this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know what the fascinating thing about it is? Whatever pain is in my life now might be there to protect me from even greater pain that could have come. I'll sit over to this side because you're paying attention. Whatever pain is in my life now could be there to protect me from the third time. Check, check, check. Here it comes. The pain that I'm experiencing now may be there to keep me from the pain that I could have been experiencing. Because listen, the pain that might be there now may be the situation that God is going to use to deliver you, not to destroy you. Follow me. God himself said if they walk the shortcut and run into the Philistines, they may go into battle 
and lose and get fearful and go back to Egypt. I don't want that to happen. But I will cause an even more terrifying thing to happen so that I can deliver them. Let that sink in for just a second. We're so concerned with the familiar in our life, the familiar, I need everything to be the same, I need everything to be the same, I need everything to be the same. And then God brings this out of the blue, bang. And we instantly, I've lived it, we instantly go to, God, why are you doing this? What are you doing? What I've learned in my life is I should probably look up and say, God, you must be keeping me from something worse. This, This thing I'm experiencing now is nothing compared to what I could have experienced and I could have turned and went the other direction. But now, you've led me to a place where you will deliver me. You've led me a place where you will deliver me. And what I want you to know this morning is when he delivers you, you're delivered. So he walks them around, pins them between the Red Sea and the desert. Pharaoh says, hey, look at them. They're wandering around. We're going to go attack them now. And God says, he's playing right into my plan. Watch how this goes down. And so the unstabilizing way that God is leading them, the unstabilizing way that he's protecting them, the unstabilizing way that he's going to deliver them, all proves to be a method for which they can trust him more. Lord, like I didn't, I I just thought it was, I, I didn't think there was any purpose in it. I didn't think there was anything going on. But what he finds out is, hey, the Egyptians are coming. Moses cries out to God, God, what are you doing? And God says, hey, listen, I got the thing. I got it. Why don't you just use that staff I gave you and part the waters? The Bible says that the Israelites walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? So I want to encourage you today that maybe the familiar in your life has been shattered. Maybe what you're experiencing now is the most unfamiliar thing you've ever dealt with. You don't know where to go, what to do. You don't know where to get answers. You don't know how, you don't know how to manage it. You're not, you're not sure. I would pray right now that you would trust God that he's driving the right way. That, that he's not worried about the Egyptian army coming down. That he's not, he's the one that set the whole thing up. He's the one that walked you that way so you could see his deliverance. He's the one that, that walked you that way so you could see his faithfulness. He's the one that decided to lead you at night when people don't usually walk at night. He's the one that decided you, to lead you in the morning. He's the one that decided to lead you that way. And you can be confident this morning that if he led you that way, that there's deliverance in the path. There's deliverance in it. And what I want to tell you, as as unfamiliar as this seems, you can be confident that the one thing that never changes, the one person that never changes, is still running the deal. So as unfamiliar as the circumstances are, we serve a God who who is infinitely familiar. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. And so while the way he leads us change, while the circumstances change, and while the familiar things around us change, he never does. And so we give him honor and glory and we say, Lord, just keep leading. Keep leading. 
when it looks like all hell is breaking loose if we don't have any options, you're going to deliver. When it looks like we're never going to make it, you're the one that promotes. When it looks like there's not going to be enough, you're the one that provides. When it looks like there's no healing, you're the one that's going to heal. God, if you've led me this way, it's for your purpose. And I trust you this morning with the unfamiliar. Can you stand to your feet? Can we pray that way today? God, you're the familiar God. But there's things in our life right now, Lord, that we don't understand, that we're not familiar with. And we want to be confident, Lord, in your leading. And so we thank you for it. We thank you that we're trusting you this morning. We thank you that you never left us or forsaken us. And we, Lord, we thank you that you've, that you've never failed us. And so, God, we come to these places in our lives. We come to, to what seems like crossroads at times. We come to what seems like a Red Sea in a desert. And, Lord, we don't understand the whole thing, but we know the deliverance is in your hand. And as out of our routine as this is, we trust you today. And we know you're turning us in to the people that can accomplish all that you have for us. So we pray that you give us faith this morning to trust you. We pray that you give us grace this morning to follow you. We pray that you give us strength this morning to cross. Do what only you can do in our lives, Lord. And we pray when you do that that you receive all the honor and the glory forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. Could you give him honor and praise? He's doing a good thing in you today. Amen. Hey, listen, you can be generous as you leave. Encourage somebody on the way out. That the unfamiliar is the right way to go. We'll see you back here next week.